Good morning. It is 1107, and the inimitable Jennifer Bukowski is with us. Brilliant criminal defense attorney. We were just chatting a few minutes ago about the Idaho uh, alleged murderer, Brian uh, Koberger, uh, and uh, whether she saw any holes in uh, in the prosecution, or at least the case being made. Uh, looks pretty good to her. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there are going to be, uh, with careful examination, some loopholes found somewhere. Uh, to make it a case, that usually a case like that doesn't usually happen b- pretty quickly, uh, very quickly, does it? It take a year before they bring that to trial. I bet. Oh, easily, yeah. Every murder case I've had has taken like a year at least to work out. It's just the nature of things. And this one, uh, I mean, the discovery is going to be huge. I'm sure they're not done doing DNA testing uh, of that house. There could be other, you know, uh, samples found that match Kohlberger or don't. So, yeah, it should take a while for the wheels of justice to process there. But like I said, there's going to be problems for his criminal defense attorney, including, you know, evidence of premeditation, you know, stalking the victims and uh, going to their house many different times. That shows, like, cool reflection, turning your phone off for over an hour before you you go to do these things. These are problematic (laughs) for his defense. Yeah, you uh, think he'd have left the it, just left murder. the phone at home. Uh, it would have looked better. Um, yeah, all right, let's... By you. a little bit, right? You know, yeah. you're supposed to be some criminal justice major or PhD student, and you're you're applying for an internship, and you've done papers on like digital digital evidence. Uh, not too bright, not too bright. This guy. Let's move on to another case. We talked about this yesterday. Uh, because Charles Erickson was released from prison after uh, 20 years. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I did a quick survey yesterday. I was stunned at how many people still think that he and Ferguson are guilty. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. I've never, I have not thought that they were guilty. I've early on, you know, been part of um, rooting for, you know, the overturning of Ryan Ferguson's conviction because from the outset it made no sense. I actually was in law school during the jury trial. I attended some of it, um, but so much of this evidence, including the fact that Ken Heidholt had a bloody hair in his hand when he's found dead that doesn't match Heidholt, Ferguson, or Erickson. I mean, that's a problem. None of the physical evidence tied or matched. And uh, just watching some of that testimony, I think they called the defense friends, uh, trial attorneys called the wrong experts, and they got out lawyered by Kevin Crane, who's just was amazing in the courtroom and, you know, mesmerizing to watch. So, uh, but yeah, I, I'd gone out with a bouncer for By George Nightclub in college. So I knew that there's no way that bar is open at 2.33 in the morning. That made no sense from the outset. That raised red flags with me. And so I firmly believe that neither of them had anything to do with this murder. And I would like to see, you know, that DNA profile they developed from that hair that was in Kent Heidelberg's hand resubmitted to these new databases that law enforcement have been using to trace down familial links uh, between um, between the sample and uh, a, they can lead to a suspect in yeah, unsolved they, crimes because that's what this is. It's an unsolved crime. And what if it connects a family member of Michael Boyd who was the co-worker that was last seen with Heidholt that allegedly switched cars and the car that he drove that night cannot be found um, after searching and searching. Like, that VIN number, that car was disappeared. 
uh, that's kind of suspicious. And so it would be interesting to me to know if, uh, if they did resubmit that to these new databases that law enforcement have been using, if any kind of connection could be found because, you know, you don't want to murder out on the loose generally. That's not a good idea. Yeah, they use this genetic DNA thing to to trace family members, and and uh, it's it pretty remarkable. Uh, in fact, it, it played a part in the last case that we just talked about uh, in Idaho. Uh, it is uh, it, it's beyond me. I mean, I watched this woman who pioneered in this as she put up the family trees and started working backwards. It was like, how in the hell? And it, it it's it's incredible technology. Um. Yeah, the, would you tell me again your association with that bar that you knew was closed at two thirty? What what was your? <laughs> I had an ex boyfriend that was a bouncer oh, there. Oh, okay, okay, ex boyfriend <laughs> yeah, who was. So. A, I thought you said you were a bouncer there, and I thought, well, jeez, <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> well, I'm a college student and you're a bouncer. I'm going to see what I can do to get thrown out. All right. No, uh, it was him and Ellis Fraternity Brothers, and so I knew that you know that bar was totally. We'd be the last ones to leave, and it would be one thirty five. And it would be lights out, you know. They were not risking their liquor license uh, by staying open until 3 in the morning. That just wouldn't have happened. Yeah, that was that was one of the things I picked up on, and I spoke about it yesterday, that they couldn't have been there drinking at a bar that was already closed. Um, so let me ask you this. Suppose they do use that genetic genealogy thing, and they find out who really committed the murder would would um, Erickson have a case to uh, to sue, or would the court say, well, you're the one who said you did it. You brought it on yourself. Well, no, he wouldn't have a case to sue. It's really hard, even when you're exonerated and the courts let you out, uh, like they did Ryan, to recover anything. He was able to recover miraculously from the Columbia Police Department somehow after years and years and years of litigation. It went up to the Court of Appeals, and even the Missouri Supreme Court um, declined to eventually hear it. Uh, but the more interesting question would be, could you then get a conviction on the guy that did do it? And I think that that would be a situation where any defense attorney would have a whole lot more to work with, given that two different men have been convicted of this crime. <laughs> well, the Columbia Police Department spoke to Brian Houseworth, the news god here at Zimmer. And said the case is still open. So good. They reopened it, I think, a few years back after a public request to do so after Ryan Ferguson's release, which was over nine years ago now. Was but was Ferguson's time Erickson is like left in at one point Zelder's like, I'm gonna get Erickson released too, but then decided she had a conflict of interest. But it is a whole different thing. I mean, it's almost impossible to get an innocent person out who didn't plead guilty. It almost has never even happened where someone that's pled guilty gets out after a wrongful conviction. Was Ferguson released because exculpatory evidence wasn't offered, or uh, was it just uh, some technicality? It was exculpatory evidence that wasn't offered. One of the uh, people that, that was supposed to have identified Chuck and Ryan as two people that she saw come up to her that said, you know, alerted her to the injured height hold in the parking lot. She told Prosecutor Crane at the jury trial that it wasn't either of them. So when she testified, he never asked her to point them out in the courtroom. But 
they never disclosed that she had told the prosecutor and investigator it wasn't them to the defense, which was huge. Uh, there was also like a more minor, in my opinion, uh, thing where uh, the prosecutor's investigator found out that supposedly Jerry Trump, the janitor who identified Ryan at trial, uh, said that he recognized them from sketches from a newspaper article, or not sketches, from a newspaper article about the rest that his wife had sent him while he was in prison for, like, child molestation, if I recall correctly. Uh, And then when the prosecutor's investigator asked the wife about that, she's like, no, I never sent him any such article. That was not disclosed. That could have been used by the defense to say, well, to impeach him and say, well, your story doesn't make sense. So uh, those were the two pieces of exculpatory evidence that somehow Ryan... They released him based on, which, you know, I've had a case with stronger exculpatory evidence that they did not, but luckily, I think was justly, he was justly released because of that. And actually, my first Instagram picture is me and his lawyer, Zellner, on the day of his release. (laughs) So I could reference, I could look back on my Instagram to say, oh, when was that? Oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, November 2013. All right, I'm up against the clock. When we come back with Jennifer Bukowski, uh, we'll talk about Kevin McCarthy and uh, Jason Smith, among other things, and uh, Biden's uh, classified documents. We're going to do all of that in uh, inside of 10 minutes on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It is 1120, and Jennifer Bukowski is with us, and uh, we're going to switch to some national politics here. Uh, the Kevin McCarthy speaker battle... I got to tell you, uh, Jen, I was I was impressed with those 2021 20, uh, Republicans who stood their ground. I was, too. I mean, I wish I had known earlier on that they were getting these concessions to bring back, you know, some normal rules where that it existed for, you know, decades, if not over 100 years before Pelosi took over, where you could amend things from the floor. You could vote the speaker. Any member could call uh, for the resignation or call to vote out the current speaker. Um, if I know that that was the plan, that would have made more sense the whole time, and I would have been applauding the whole time. But I was mystified as to, like, what is their goal? Because they're not offering up an alternative. In hindsight now, it only took a week, huh. and now there's going to be, hopefully, rules that will make you know, the chamber more, the representatives better able to represent their constituents because we all, you know, spend a lot of time, activists and donors and everything, helping these people get elected. So it was, it was demoralizing to hear statements like, well, only two people have power in that whole place with the rules chair and the speaker. No one else has any power to do anything. It's like, well, why should I be spending all this time and money trying to get good people elected there? If only two of them have any power. So that was demoralizing. But now they will have more. So I do applaud those Congress members for, you know, making the chamber as a whole hopefully better going forward so they can be more representative because we're spending into oblivion. That's a huge concern to find. So, yeah, I think it was a good move. Well, one of the things that I've been promoting as chairman of the board at Downsize D.C. is the One Subject at a Time Act. And, the, you know, and that they have to have time to read these laws. Uh, what I've been prescribing uh, is slightly different than what they voted on in the Rules Committee. But essentially, it's the same goal. 
It is that you have time to read the bills and that you send through one subject at a time. Um, yes, I think that's great, you know, because really, if you think about it, like the people on the staffs of like the speaker or the rules chair or whoever that are writing these things have way more power than the actual members of Congress that we elected to represent us there because they're the ones writing these bills that are too long for anyone to read before they get voted on. Well, I was behind them all the way. They stood on principle. They got what they wanted for the most part. Uh, and that's, you know, we live in a republic. Just be, and, and I listened as conservatives everywhere were just belittling these uh, essentially, it was 21 people because one of them voted just present. But I watched them be uh, get attacked constantly uh, when, in fact, that's what the government was supposed to be. This is what the Founding Fathers envisioned. You don't have tyranny of the majority. Republic, ha you have rights that can't be violated. And they stood up for their rights. And they yeah, prevailed. Yeah, I think they, they probably would have, I mean, I don't want to criticize them because they actually got, you know, some concessions out of the whole process. But... If they had been more transparent about that being their goal from the outset, I think they would have had a lot more people cheering for them instead of all these people calling them, you know, uh, cringe, I'll call them terrorists at one heated moment, which he actually has apologized for. But it it was uh, it was an effort well worth doing. But I wish I'd known that was the plan because then I would have been cheering for them more loudly. Yeah, I think Republicans who are really conservative and far more conservative than uh, you'll find in uh, the, the House of Representatives, I think they're going to be cheering this on. I think they're going to look at this and go, well, if this, is a, this was a good idea. Why were you fighting them? All right, let's move on because time, time is of the essence and it is fleeting. Jennifer Bukowski with us. Jason Smith, three-way race. Let's talk. Yeah, so our congressman from Missouri, Jason Smith, has for, you know, I don't know, gosh, uh, a year now been running for this Ways and Means Committee Chair. It's a very powerful committee that oversees, like, revenue, social service programs, uh, trade deals with foreign nations, all kinds of things are under the purview of this powerful committee. And he was flying all over the country, uh, helping raise money for others or whatever had to be done to get the votes, and he won this three-way race. He's also described in this Washington Examiner article as a McCarthy ally uh, that won this race uh, for the, this powerful position. So I really hope that he does, you know, take efforts, make efforts to like look at some of the abuses that are going on with our social service programs like disability. You know, I think there's a lot of abuse that goes on there. You can get on disability for like having ADHD. Can you believe that? Like getting a check every month for that it just is mind-boggling you're an able-bodied person but you can get on disability and get a government check for that i think uh it'll be good to have someone going over the spending of our country and uh he's a talented smart congressman from missouri and so i look forward to seeing what he does in that role it would be nice by the way the republicans are apparently voting to get rid of the income tax to go to the fair tax <laughs> And, I'll, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful uh, for any movement in that direction. But realistically, when that hits the Senate, it's just as dead as can be. It's just like voting to get rid of Obamacare uh, when the Republicans had the House but not the Senate. Right. They would it's vote on all symbolic. these conservative things, and it, they knew it wasn't going anywhere. Right. 
they did that over and over and over last time uh, that they had the House and the Democrats had the Senate. I remember that. And the Democrats have done that as well, you know, uh, with all kinds of different bills that they'll pass, knowing that they'll fail in the Senate, but then they can, you know, have their sound bites on TV and get uh, their clicks or their likes or whatever else saying that they were going for these things. But, you know, it is a pipe dream, this spare tax or whatever, uh, because it's politically, you know, infeasible. It's not impossible. But it's, it's I'm not glad if we we're talking about it. We should be talking about these things. That should be part of their job to be discussing these things and having these conversations. It's only impossible if we say it's impossible. Right. Uh, yeah. But if you keep trying, it's possible. Uh, final topic here in the closing minute or two. Justice Department is uh, uh, reviewing classified documents found in Biden's previous office. Right. Classified documents from when he was vice president or in his office of his think tank being reviewed by who knows who. And uh, what kind of clearance they have? What kind of locks do they have on the boxes? Where's that? The irony. That's what uh, Senator Halley tweeted uh, of his office when they went to retrieve these documents. It's just it's just staggering the hypocrisy. We're used to it now. But the double standard and everything else that happens, this has happened with all kinds of people having, you know, classified documents after being in high office like this. But Trump's the only one that gets an FBI raid to Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, we were uh, talking about it earlier in the program and wondering how it is the news media weren't tipped off, weren't there at 4 o'clock in the morning uh, when all those uh, black SUVs with, uh, you know, the uh, SWAT <laughs> yeah. teams and AR-15 showed up because they didn't. Um, I'm all right, amazed uh, that we even know about it, Why that they didn't keep it all hushed up somehow, you know? Well, they did for a couple of months. Yeah, that's I true. mean, it was before the election when they found out about this. Oh, they, they sat on it. That's right. Until after midterm. Handy. Oh, man. Handy, huh? Yeah. Handy. Very uh, handy. Unbelievable. <laughs> Jennifer Bukowski, thank you for being with us. We look forward to having you on again next week. It's a bit of delight. Thank you, Gary. All right. Take care, Jen. Jennifer Bukowski, a, really a brilliant criminal defense attorney. So, Brian, you know what uh, Hillary Reckham Clinton is up to, right? I have no idea. You have no I, idea. Not, no, I'm not following her these days. Uh-uh. Oh, I, I don't. Well, she is uh, going to teach, uh, hopefully not ethics, <laughs> at the uh, Columbia School of International and Public Affairs as a presidential fellow. Um, so this has to be funded, this position, because, you know, she's. You know, she wants to make money. Uh-huh. It's okay for Democrats to make a lot of money. Uh, but if you're a Republican, you need to share it. Yeah. Uh, and they are multi-multi-millionaires. But anyway, uh, she is uh, going to teach there. God, I would love to sit in on that class. <laughs> but wait until you find out who's funding that position. You will blow a cork. Honest to God, you're going to go nuts when you hear about that. Uh, So here's what's up. We've got uh, news coming up in just a few. Uh, Then when we come back, uh, I will tell you who's funding her her position uh, at the university. It's going to be fun. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network.
is the Gary Nolan Show. It's uh, it's eleven thirty-five. Now I was thinking that if if Donald Trump's sons got a uh, position uh, teaching at a university, and it was funded by the Rogues Gallery that's funding Hillary Clinton, it would be the front page news of every major diurnal in the country. And it would be on ABC, CBS, and NBC. And they would be saying, aha, look at that. But here we go. Uh, apparently, she's taking on this job uh, teaching um, and funded by, among others, uh, some Chinese oligarchs. i got a, a list. It's the Columbia World Projects funded by a diverse variety of donors, uh, like a, a one guy whose name uh, Rashid. Uh, it's unclear if this is the former head of the Saudi Arabia, El Arabia, or a member of the El Rashid group, a massive Saudi conglomerate, perhaps uh, some other Saudi bigwig. Um, another donor is uh, Makati Foundation. It appears to be uh, Najib Makati, um, two Lebanese billionaire brothers, one of whom is the Hezbollah-backed prime minister of Lebanon. Nothing better than having... Hezbollah support your <laughs> your job. Um, who else is on here? Uh, let's see. Other donors include uh, George Jang. Uh, while there are a number of men by that name, this article in uh, front page mag, uh, the only one who appears to have the sizable assets is the man behind the Golden China Fund. His firm, uh, Greenwood's Asset Management is based out of China. Uh, then uh, we've got uh, Bruno Z. Wu, another donor, Chinese billionaire, who heads the Sun Seven Stars Media Group, one of the biggest conglomerates in China. Robert Ng, Ng uh, a real estate uh, billionaire operating in Hong Kong, endorsed communist China's uh, takeover claiming the uh, suppression of democracy enhances the one country, two systems principle uh, and adds greater stability. Yeah, there's nothing like a guy promoting communism, supporting your job. Also on the list, uh, another hedge fund manager whose wife uh, is a partner at the uh, Sino uh, Century, a major Chinese equity fund, uh, funded uh, Sup China, Sup China. This is being funded by communists and 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 uh, well, despots. Frankly, why would the you know? It, it bothers me not just that it's funding her job, but that it exists in an American university at all. Why would they not say, "Look, thank you very much, but we're not interested in in uh, filthy lucre. We we don't want your dirty money." I guess that would require having some sense of right and wrong. But apparently, they they don't they don't have that. You'd think at some point somebody would say, "This is this is communist China. We don't want communist Chinese influencing education in our country." Apparently. Apparently, Brian, that's just too much to hope for. I guess so. That's kind of sad. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I would not take their money. I just wouldn't. 
one of the things that uh, the Republicans are doing, apparently um, they're removing some Democrats from their positions in uh, retaliation for the removal of some Republicans from their committee assignments in the last Congress. So um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, who was stripped of her committee in 2021, uh, as an example, as part of his plan, uh, he specifically targeted uh, Ilan Omar, Democrat from Minnesota, Adam Schiff from California, and Eric Swalwell from California. Confirmed to the Associated Press on Monday that the three would be stripped of their assignments with Omar being ousted from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Shift and Swalwell will be removed from the Intelligence Committee. The move is largely symbolic as Swalwell is already due to be rotated off his committee and Omar's assignment is subject to a House vote that would likely re uh, be rejected by the uh, Republicans. McCarthy uh, first voiced the possibility of removing Democrats from their committee assignments in mid-November. So it sounds good. It's not really that big a deal, but it's one of those little victories that you you kind of relish. It's like, yeah, just a little, a little gotcha. Um, Eric Swalwell cannot get a security clearance in the public sector. Why would we ever give him a security clearance in the secrets of America? So I will not allow him to be on Intel, McCarthy said. Uh, in an interview with Fox News, you have Adam Schiff, who had lied to the American public time and again. We're not going to let him uh, be on the Intel Committee either. What You know, there is something about those guys, uh, both of them, uh, Adam Schiff uh, and Swalwell, that just looking at them sort of raises my blood pressure a bit. And, and Schiff probably more than any of them, although Swalwell is, is looking uh, pretty grubby now. I guess it's just my own bias that I can't stand them. And just looking at them, it... it the word smarmy comes to mind. I, I have to agree. I think that's uh, the perfect definition. Smarmy. Swalwell has been under scrutiny by Republicans after it was reported in 2020 that he... Uh, that a suspected, rather, Chinese spy uh, had developed relations with the California Democrat. You know, you see those movies like 007 where he beds these women uh, because it's part of his job. And, 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 and I'm sure you've heard stories about, uh, you know, Soviet spies who do these kind of things. But it, it actually happened to Swalwell. He actually ended up in bed with a Chinese spy. He fell for it. Wonder what pillow talk they had. All right. Um, and finally, uh, it's raining in California, and apparently it's, it's doing some good. Now, they, they say they need this to, uh, to be sustained, not just a kind of a flash in the pan, but California reservoir water levels... Uh, are increasing um, from Shasta Lake, the biggest uh, lakes, to the smallest lakes, uh, and apparently considerably. Shasta Lake, uh, change in the water level, plus 21 feet. Uh, Lake Oroville, uh, which I'm not familiar with, uh, plus 62 feet. How much rain must be coming down there, Brian? 62 feet. Global wow. warming, I'm sure. 
Oh, oh absolutely. Uh, Trinity Lake up 15. Uh, New Maloney's Lake uh, up 25. So they're apparently, you know, getting some water, but uh, they, they say they need even more. There are alternatives that uh, they could be using to, uh, to save water, but they don't. They just let it run off into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Who could figure? Uh, let's see. Michael says, uh, do you think the discovery of those Biden documents is the beginning of the end for Biden? <laughs> that was a oh, I, that was I'm a joke, right? I'm sure he was being facetious. Yeah, had to be. uh, no, no, Mike. Uh, that is that is not the beginning of the end for Biden. Nothing bad will happen. Just like countless Democrats before him, nothing will happen. Nobody will get prosecuted. They'll investigate, you know, kind of around the surface. They'll come back and say, "Oh, it's, it's okay. Nothing, nothing to see here, folks." There's no, they're there. Yeah, no, there, there. Just keep right on moving. Tomorrow, by the way, uh, we will have uh, uh, Missouri Secretary of State on board with us. Uh, we will have uh, a reporter from the uh, Epic Times, and uh, he was on before talking. I think last week about the um, the vote for the speaker, and uh, we'll have him back on again. Uh, tomorrow to, to tell us uh, just kind of where it's going. If you get a chance, read the Epic Times. I'm telling you, it is a terrific uh, newspaper. And uh, one of the uh, writers uh, who, frankly, has uh, really impressed me is Mark Tapscott. And Mark is going to be with us tomorrow. It's going to be a good show. All right, hang on. Quick break, back to wrap it up. Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. <laughs> Did you? I don't know if you saw this or not, Brian. Uh, Jonathan uh, uh, Capehart uh, was uh, on TV and talking about the uh, the Republicans. He's, he's, of course, on MSNBC. Who else would you expect this from? Talking about the Republicans that were standing up for, you know, all these rules changes. And he said <laughs> this was a continuation of... Of that insurrection <laughs> from January 6th. Oh, they just won't let it go, will they? No. <laughs> oh. Uh, Why don't they just make January 6th come some kind of a national holiday, holiday or, something? or something? Yeah, so we I'm can... Sure they just want you to never forget it as long as you live. Keep beating that drum over and over and over again. Um. Then, uh, then uh, you've got uh, the Atlantic's uh, Ron Brownstein. Uh, he said on CNN that the phrase "Let's go, Brandon" was quote fundamentally about insurrection. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but wait, <laughs> there's more. At Salon, Amanda Marquette declared that quote the speaker fight may stoke terrorism. Uh, several House uh, Democrats, including uh, Swalwell and uh, Matt Gates, uh, Democratic Party, said uh, the Democrats worried uh, one of the Republican colleagues had commit a mass shootings, a mass shooting on the House floor, all because Republicans removed metal detectors. So apparently, anything that happens that offends the political left is now an insurrection. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> you just cannot make this stuff up. 
Oh, Lord. All right. Uh, and then uh, finally, uh, I want to cover this story. Uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, apparently is promising to somehow defund the IRS of that extra $100 billion. And the, the story suggests that if he does that, it will cost taxpayers money. Uh, the Wall Street Journal's Richard Rubin, who covers tax policy, writes that the Congressional Budget Office has scored McCarthy's bill and says it will increase the deficit by $114 billion. Uh, says that the GOP IRS funding would reduce spending by $71.5 billion, but it would reduce revenue by $185.88 billion. Um, net deficit increase... 114 billion. Congressional Budget Office doesn't do budgeting the way you would do budgeting. They don't look at the response to increased taxes or uh, tax laws. They they assume. It, here's a here's a perfect example. The CBO says. If you have a 10% increase in taxes, uh, a, t a tax hike of 10%, you will get a 10% increase in revenue. That's not how the real world works. And they're constrained. They can't, they can't go out and look at uh, you know, other, uh, other things that affect those decisions. They have to say 10% hike in the rate is a 10% increase in the revenue. When in reality, it's not. 10% hike in the rate, and people start moving their money around in different ways. So that the federal government, that, that the CBO says this is going to cost a ton of money is not to be taken seriously. The CBO isn't to be taken seriously, frankly. But one of the things the Republicans allegedly are doing is pushing for a fair tax. And I, I kidded around about this because why didn't they do it when they had the House, the Senate, and the White House? But let me tell you what would happen if we went to the fair tax. Within a year or two, most everybody would be thrilled and would never want an income tax again. Because I don't care what level you're at. I mean, we're all getting our, our tax forms now and getting ready. We're going to pay accountants and we're going through all this. Did we underpay? Did we overpay? Are we going to owe? Are we going to have a, you know, we, did we, did we literally, this is true. Did we pay too much in our quarterlies and will we get punished for that? Because you can, if you give the federal government too much money <laughs> and they have to send you a refund, they punish you for that. There's a penalty associated with that. So we're all going through this. After a year or two of not having to do any of that, I can't imagine very many people going, gee, I, I sure hope we bring that back. I sure would like to continue to have to pay an accountant or get software and fill out all these papers, give the federal government access to how much money I make uh, and, and where I spend it. I, I just I just don't see it. They may, uh, you know, people will probably try to argue. Well, that means the rich are going to get away with something, when in fact they won't. But at the same time, everybody would get a raise. 
Everybody that's working would get a raise. Because you, you would take out the cost of compliance from all the products that you buy, and you supplant that with the sales tax, but you're bringing home your gross paycheck. I don't think most people are going to be upset about that. It, you know, the, the name fair tax is really an appropriate name for that. Sadly, the Republicans didn't do it when they could have. But if they do, I don't think it ever, I don't think it ever, it ever goes back. The Democrats, of course, don't want to give it up. You know, this is the, the, the cudgel they use to uh, beat up Republicans and wealthy people. Oh, the wealthy people. We, gotta, we can raise their taxes because there's so few of them compared to the rest of us. And not raise anybody else's taxes. And we'll win every time. That's, that's the Democrats. That's what they do. We'll raise it on just the rich. And then when a rich person stands up and says, hey, this is unfair. So, oh, you're greedy. You're greedy, they would argue, because you want to keep the money you've earned. That's nonsense. Who's really greedy in this picture? I would argue the left is. Because they want something they haven't earned and they're going to take it because they want it. If that's not the definition of greed, I, I don't know what is. Hey, you've got money. I want money. I'm taking it. That's greed. I don't care how angelic your goals are. I don't care how wonderful you, you know, I want to feed the poor, help the, you know, children, uh, help the aged. I don't care what your goal is. If you're taking the money from somebody... Instead of getting it volunteered, you're guilty of greedy, of being greedy. All right. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll give you another definition of greedy of this radio station because they've got all the best talkers right here. Uh, Randy Tobler will be on later on this afternoon. Uh, Glenn Beck's following me. In between is uh, Sean Hannity. we got great talkers all night long. But when you get up tomorrow morning, Brandon Rathard is going to be with you. The whole... Wake Up Mid-Missouri team. Great show. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home. <laughs>